All right, we are finishing up our series on joy today, and I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, I know an ironic statement there. It'd be really terrible if you didn't enjoy a series on joy. But we are going to go to Philippians chapter 4 today. If you want to go there, Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And he says, I entreat Judea and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And I ask you also, true companion, uh, companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. And we're just going to stop there for a minute. And the, the, what I want to give us today, last week we talked about joy thieves. We talked about uh, joy killers. How many knows that there's joy killers out there? there there's ener- I call them energy vampires. Things, people that just suck the life out of you. And you got to avoid it. you got to run. you got to deal with it. And, and today, we're going to talk about how we keep our joy. It's within our responsibility to keep our joy. Do you know that uh, you are not responsible for my joy? Did you know I am not responsible for your joy? If, if this ends up being the worst sermon ever preached in the history of Christ's tabernacle, and you have a bad day, that's still not my fault. Your joy, your problem. My joy, my problem. We've got to keep our joy. And here's the good news. You can keep your joy. No matter what's going on in your life, You may not have a whole lot of money, you may not have many friends, but you can still have the joy of the Lord in your heart. Can I get an amen from anybody today? And I want you to see here in verse 1, in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul refers to the Philippian church as his joy. And the first thing I want to tell us is this, is that we keep our joy by rejoicing in community with other believers. We don't keep our joy by staying home and watching online, even though sometimes that's our only option. We don't uh, have our own church where it's just me and my cat at home. You're going to lose your joy if you buy into that. But here's how I keep my joy. I'm in a community of people who help me keep my joy. Now, I just said it's not your responsibility for me to keep my joy, but you can help. How many knows you can help? How many wants to do everything you can to help people keep their joy? And, and it's really interesting. He, he goes on and he names these two women. And he tells them basically, hey, stop fighting and agree in the Lord. I always thought this verse was kind of funny because it's the only place that these two women are mentioned in the Bible and it's kind of savage by Paul, right? Like, he he's knows that they're having this squabble, and he says, okay, ladies, don't make me put your name in the Bible, and the only way people know your name in the Bible is because you've been fighting. In the best-selling book in the history of the world, and what they're known for was having a disagreement, but I want you to see what he tells him. He says, I want you to agree in the Lord. 
And here's a way that we keep our joy in community is I don't agree with everybody on everything, but I agree with them in Jesus. And that's enough. You know, one of the ways you're going to lose your joy is if you expect to agree with everybody on everything. But here's how I keep my joy. Well, I'm just glad they love Jesus, and that's enough. And he, he says that, that sometimes living in community requires us to look past differences, and we have to find the only thing that we can agree on, and that is agreeing on Jesus. Does anybody here today agree that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God in the flesh, that Jesus is coming back again? Does anybody agree with that statement today? Then we can take joy and what we have in common. There's no one like him. There's no one before him. There's no one after him. Jesus is the one true God. Does anybody love that God today? Does anybody agree with me? Come on, somebody agree with me. You may hate my baseball team. Shame on you, but we can agree on Jesus. You may not like my politics, but we can agree on Jesus. And here's the thing. If we agree on Jesus long enough, a lot of those issues start to work their way out because we look to him for our guidance. And so Paul, is, he's reminding these women. He says in verse 3, he says, help these women understand. Who, they've labored side by side with me in the gospel together. And we, we need to remember all that we've done for the kingdom and we need to put aside petty debates and squabbles. Why? Because there's a kingdom to raise up. Right. Come on. And I, I, I allow things to take my joy when things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God become my distraction and my focus. And so what we need to do is agree on the Lord and, and say, you know what? Time is too short to argue about what color the new chairs should be. Time's too short to argue about what color the new carpet should be in the foyer. All of those things are not eternal. What's eternal is getting people into the house of God next week for Easter. Seeing people baptized in water and spirit. How many knows that we've got a world to feed? We've got a world to witness to. We've got a world to win. I wish somebody could agree in the Lord with me right now. We've got too much to do to fight with one another and squabble. Don't have time for distractions that aren't eternal. And then he says this in verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. And why I'm putting this under point one is this. is This is written in the plural. He's not speaking to individuals. He's speaking to the church at large. And here's how you keep your joy. You do this. You come together with other believers and you agree on Jesus. That's what it means to rejoice in the Lord. We didn't come here today to rejoice in your favorite baseball team. We didn't come here today to rejoice in your favorite politician. We didn't even come here today to rejoice in our country. 
We didn't come here to, uh, today to rejoice in who you are or what you do. We came here today to do what unites us, what brings us common joy, and that is to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in Jesus. Rejoice that he is coming back again. Rejoice that he saved us. Rejoice that he is God and God alone. And no matter what I'm going to, I can go to the rock of my salvation. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Was anybody glad when you woke up this morning? Come on, if you need to get your joy back, right now is a good opportunity to stand on your feet and let's rejoice together. Come on, somebody stand. The person next to you might need you to help them rejoice. I have the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. I want to tell you something. Sometimes you need to come to church and it's not about you. You need to worship for the person next to you. You need to rejoice for the person next to you because maybe they don't have the strength to rejoice. But when your rejoicer gets going and when you start praising God, it lifts up the atmosphere and it makes it easier for other people to step into that joy. We need to be joy spreaders. Now's not the time to social distance. Now's the time to come together and rejoice for what God has done. And this is written with an exclamation mark. It's a command to rejoice, not an option. Worship is not an option. It's a command. It's not pretty, please rejoice. If you could just... Change your mind and rejoice. No, rejoice in the Lord when always. When things are good, when things are bad. Paul, when you're in prison. Paul, when you're setting the world on fire, evangelizing for the Lord. In any situation, we are commanded to rejoice. And what I love about this verse, rejoice, is the first word and it's the last word. And you need to let that be a life lesson Every day, and that is, I'm going to rejoice when I get up. I'm going to rejoice when I lay down. I'm going to rejoice in the middle. No matter what happens throughout the day, I'm not going to let it take my joy at the beginning and the ending of every day. Our rejoicing is grounded in not me, not you. Rejoice in the Lord. When things are bad, when things are changing, you rejoice in what isn't changing. Amen. Come, on, that's good. Come on, is anybody with me today? Yeah. In this world we're living, things are always changing. Week to week, things are changing. You don't know what's going to happen. We live in a very unpredictable world. And so that's why I rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because He's never changing, Amen. Yeah. He's constant. He's faithful. Our rejoicing is grounded in. So we must rejoice together. That's why you need church. That's why you need a, a church family you can belong to, to encourage you. I love what Paul says in Romans 12, 12. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. 
That's what church is all about. We come here, we rejoice together, we celebrate victories together, but we also share each other's defeat. But we don't stay there long. Why? Because we go right back to joy. We go right back to... There's so many people that, that go through life. I can't imagine people who go through life and who don't have God. I don't, I don't know what I would do if I went through life and I didn't have a church family to rejoice with and to cry with. Somebody say, thank God for the church. Somebody say, thank God I have somebody to rejoice with today. And he, he continues in, in chapter 4. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Second way we keep our joy is we keep your, your joy by turning worry into prayer. Or to put it another way, turn your worry into worship. He says, be anxious for nothing. Now, I know that there's some situations that are just out of our control and we, we have to give them our attention and we have temporary anxiety and worry. All that's part of being human. What isn't godly? What isn't God's will is for us to live in a constant state of anxiety, a constant state of worry. That is not the will of God for our life. Worrying is non-productive. It doesn't help anything. Has, has anybody ever had a problem you didn't know what you were going to do about, and so you stayed up all night worrying about it, and then you, you got up the next morning so refreshed, so energized, saying, wow, I'm so glad that I stayed up and worried about that all night. That was really productive. Worry will steal your joy. Worry will steal your focus. And I want to remind us, okay, I want to remind us as we read this, when Paul says, be anxious for nothing, don't worry about anything. He's writing from prison. Okay, and this wasn't a prison like one of our prisons today with cable and internet and God only knows what else, workout equipment and a library. That prison in, in Roman times, sometimes people died. And one of the ways that, that Paul is expressing his gratitude is that the church of Philippi had provided him food. And if you were in prison, in a Roman prison, and people didn't bring you food, often they starved. So I want to give you the context of this verse when he says, don't be anxious for anything. Paul has street cred because he's sitting in a dungeon. He's sitting in a dark place. But even then he says, don't worry, be happy. Why? Because here's what we do. We turn our worry into prayer. And we're to turn our worry into worship by praying about those situations that upset us. Prayer is a form of worship. Prayer is a form of trusting in God. And the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. Oh, I'm going to say that again. The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful in everything. You know, something that's helped me a, a little cheat code in life is this, is that when I start to feel anxious and I start to feel worried, that's God's nudge I need to pray. That's God's nudge that I need to find a place of prayer. And here's what you do. You pour it out on the feet of Jesus. Oh, I'm feeling so much better. 
since I laid my burdens down. Come on, somebody. When you start to worry about that situation, it's not going to help one bit, and it's going to steal your joy if you just stay focused on that and you worry on that all night. You know what you need to do? After you put those kids to bed, you find a quiet place of prayer, and you lay it out on God's feet. You know why? Because if he can carry the weight of the cross, he can carry any problem you're facing. He is there to hear our problems. I love what the great hymn, the writer who wrote, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I love this line. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And, and I'm all for seeing counselors. I'm all for medication in some circumstances. But there's also this ancient practice called having a little talk with Jesus. Is anybody with me today? How many knows that we could save this generation a lot of money and a lot of trouble if we just taught them how to pray? That when you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go, you get in that prayer closet, you begin to pray in the Spirit, and you begin to pour it out to the feet of Jesus, and you get up the next day full of joy, and you get up the next day rejoicing. Why? Because I've got a strong God on my hand. On my side. I want you to see what happens. He, he says do this. And do it with what? Thanksgiving. Here's an anecdote to worry. Start to be thankful. We talked about this last week. Thanksgiving is an antidote to worry. Here's how this works. Maybe sometimes you might need someone. To remind you. Maybe you're going through a dark time in your life and you're worried. Find a close friend and say, hey, I, I, just, I just want you to remind me of everything good God's done in my life. Well, you know, that there was that time where your, your son was in the hospital and they didn't give him hope and God healed him. Well, there, there was that time where God supernaturally provided with a check in the mail and you were broke. There was that time where you were lost and your eternity was uncertain, but you walked into the house of God and he filled you with his spirit. He filled you with hope and he changed your life around. You know what? If you start to think about what God has done in your past, you're going to have some certainty about what he's going to do in your future. And I've got a feeling everything... It's going to be all right. Come on, anybody got a feeling everything is going to be all right? There's nothing God's going to let me walk through that he isn't going to be with me, fighting for me. I want us to go to verse 7. He says this. He says that when we do this, when we go to God, instead of worry, we go to prayer. He gives us a promise, and he says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But I want you to see there, that's conditional. The peace of God just doesn't come. It's conditional on us praying. It's conditional on us going to him. And he runs to us. And his peace comes. It's a promise. He says, hey, you come to me and you lay it all at my feet. You give me all the junk. You give me all the problems. Now, my peace 
will come on you. What, what, what's the peace of God? Well, it's not the absence of problems. It's the shalom of God. It means completeness and wholeness. What does that mean? That means a guy can be in a Roman prison and have the peace of God. And write one of the greatest books of the Bible in the middle of a Roman prison. That's the peace of God. The peace of God is my kids are going crazy and the world is going crazy. I, I feel anxious everywhere I go. I feel anxious when I get up and when I go down. But I'm giving it to God and I'm trusting that God has me in the palm of his hands and he won't let go. And I know everything's going to be all right. So I still have joy. I still encourage other people. I don't let it get me down. Why? Because the peace of God is surrounding me. And here's what he said. He says, this peace surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense. And I've seen that peace in your lives. I've seen some of you bury sons and daughters. But I've seen the peace of God on you. Why? Because it's supernatural. It surpasses understanding. You can't explain it. You can't comprehend it. Why? Because when we trust in Jesus and who he is, the peace of God that passes all understanding guards my heart and my mind. What does that mean? Here's how grace works. I do my part. What is what? I go to God, which is really all you can do. And then he does his part, and he guards my heart and my mind. And when that problem comes and tries to steal my joy, the peace of God says, nope, not today. Not today, devil. The peace of God helps me keep my mental faculties together. When internally I feel like falling apart and I feel like giving up, the peace of God supernaturally comes in to help me keep going, help me keep praying, help me keep having joy. I want to tell you, if you get a hold of this today, this is how you keep your joy. Give everything to God in prayer. And his peace will guard your heart and your mind. I don't know about anybody else. I need all the help I can get guarding my mind. And we're going to talk about how we do that. Paul tells us, verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, Meditate or think on these things, the things that you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace, what, will be with you. Again, conditional. You do your part, I'll do my part. So the third thing that we need to do to keep our joy is we need to keep our joy with right thinking and right living. Right thinking and right living. Paul lists these things, and we can't don't have the time to go through every one of these things today. But your joy can dissipate with wrong thinking. Notice that God's promise to guard our hearts is conditional. If you do your part to keep your things, keep your mind set on me, I'm going to guard it. And we lose our joy 
when we begin to think about things that aren't pure, that aren't holy, that aren't noble, that aren't virtuous. You cannot fill your mind with junk and have the peace of God and have the joy of God. And I'm going to preach this. We, we need to watch and we need to be very mindful of what we're letting into our mind. You can't watch trashy movies. You can't visit trashy Instagram sites. And you can't look at things that are evil. And you can't watch violence all the time. And expect the joy and peace of God to be in your life. you got to fill your mind with good things. Thoughts are like trains. They take you somewhere. How do you keep your joy? Fill your mind with good things. Fill your mind with the word of God. Garbage in, garbage out. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to fill our atmosphere with good thoughts. Put on some worship music. Put on some teaching. Put on the Bible read aloud. Get the word of God in your home. Put on positive TV programs. Yes, I, I, I know, but they are out there. Put on things that lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, didn't you love that song today? I just want to speak the name of Jesus. I want the name of Jesus in my house. I want the name of Jesus in our streets. I want good things. Somebody say good things. We're going to focus on good things. Good things. I remember one day when I was a kid, a little woman came into our Sunday school class, and she was determined to teach us the word of God and have us memorize it. Her name was Diane Alton. And she was frail but powerful. And she taught me scriptures. Taught me things I've, I've never forgotten, never gotten away from. Taught me things, how to know and how to quote the word of God. Taught me things about when to quote the word of God. And those things have stayed with me. And I've got a resource in my mind from things that were put into me when I was a child. And I want to tell our parents, we need to put good things in our children's mind at a young age. Because it stays with them. Both the good and the bad stays with them. Negative words, negative thoughts stay with them. But so does scripture. So does the word of God. And we need to implant the word of God like a chip in their mind. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law doth he meditate day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, for they are like chaff that the wind drives away. For the unrighteous shall not stand in judgment, nor the ungodly in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly will not prosper. Diane Alton taught me that 30 years ago. I want to tell you, 
when I was tempted as a young person, I could hear your mother's voice just chirping in my head. Oh, but Brother Jeremy, the way of the ungodly shall not prosper. And it stayed with me. Why? Because I had some adults that put some good things in my mind, and I still have my joy 42 years into this. Then he says this. He said, I want you to, the things that you learned and received and heard and saw me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I want to tell you, it's not cool to preach against sin, but it's a joy killer. It's a joy killer. We need to walk in righteousness and holiness. Why? That scripture I just quoted. When you really believe that, there's joy when you do the word of God. Lord, I know that because I could have disobeyed your word in that situation, but I know, Lord, you've planted me like a tree of, by water. In my season, I'm going to have fruit. My leaf's not going to wither. And Lord, whatever I do is going to prosper. That's how you live for God, is that you have joy in his commandments. You have joy in his word. Don't be surprised if you lose your joy when you're in rebellion against the word of God. You know why? There's life in his word. There's growth in his word. Then we're going to close this series out. Philippians 4.10. He said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at your last care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, though you surely did care, but you, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place here. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's the fourth way you keep your joy. You keep your joy by being content in every season of life. What's it mean to be content? Well, the dictionary says to be peacefully satisfied. Peacefully satisfied. Paul said, I, I, I've learned in all situations, I've learned when I have a lot, when I abound. And by the way, sometimes it's, it's most difficult to have joy when you have a lot. You know why? Because you have to protect that. And when you get that, you want more of it. Some of the richest people I know are some of the most miserable because they have to constantly get more and produce more. And he said, I've learned to have joy when I don't have anything and I'm sitting in a Roman prison and I'm depending on people to send me food and money. He said, I'm peacefully satisfied. And he makes this impactful statement. And he says this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I just want to stop here and say that this verse is one of the most misused verses in the Bible. And I know people mean well, but this has nothing to do with you making your high school football team. 
Okay, I could quote this verse all day long. I could shoot jump shots all day long. I will never be in the NBA. I will be a five foot 11, extremely white guy that uh, I, I'm in high school. I was great. They called me radar for my ability to hit the open three. There wasn't much more to my basketball game. I was terrible at defense. I was terrible at dribbling. But if you left me open beyond the three-point line, watch out. I was dangerous. And here's the thing. I, I could have quoted Philippians 4.13, and that would not have improved my defense. This is not about, I can, I, I, I'm never going to run a two-and-a-half-minute mile. I, I can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and there's just a lot of limitations I have that will not change. You know what this verse is about? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can sit in a prison and still have joy. I can stand next to a casket of my wife, child, loved one, and have supernatural joy. That's what I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be peacefully satisfied when the bank account is slim or when the bank account's looking good. I can do all things through Christ means every season of life. I am peacefully satisfied, and I'm peacefully satisfied because I am satisfied not in those things, not in my relationships, not in what I do, not in how much money I have. I am peacefully satisfied in Jesus Christ. He is enough. Whether I'm married or whether I'm single, I'm satisfied. Whether I'm rich or I'm poor, I'm satisfied. Whether a season of abundance or lacking, I am satisfied because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Come on, is anybody satisfied in Jesus? Can we stand to our feet today? How many satisfied and has the joy of the Lord? That's where joy comes from. And here, this is all we have to offer you is Jesus. We don't have great music to offer you, although that, that certainly happens here. We don't have, you know, we have great programs. Celebrate Recovery is great. But ultimately, what we have is a God Hallelujah. whose name is Jesus. And if you've been going from well to well, like the woman... In John chapter 4, that well represents relationships, could re represent jobs. Maybe it's experience, you've gone from one experience to another, you've gone from one husband, one wife to another, you've gone from one city and state to another, and you just can't be happy. You, you could stay in one place for a while and it, your joy just doesn't stay. It leaks out and you've got to go back to that well one more time. Got to get back on that dating website and maybe I'll find the person that will fix me and make me happy. Cheat code. You're going to keep going back because that person can't make you happy. That city can't make you happy. That joy can't make you happy. Oh, but there's a God that if you take a drink from this well, it never runs dry and you'll be satisfied. 
because our joy is full when we're satisfied in Jesus because that's what, what we were made for was to know him, to love him. And Jesus said in John chapter 15, these things I have spoken to you that my joy, not your joy, my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. What does it mean to have full joy? It means I know who Jesus is and I'm satisfied in him. I want to ask you today, are you satisfied in Jesus? If you're not satisfied in Jesus, maybe you need to revisit some things. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to sing that song. The team will come back up. Such a powerful song. And I want us to rejoice in Jesus today. I want us to rejoice in what he's done for us. I want us to rejoice that we know who holds the future. Today, if there's been some things stealing your joy, speak Jesus. Speak Jesus over that situation. Come to this altar. Lay your burdens down. Don't carry those burdens another day. If, you, if you're here today and you've never met the Lord, I want to tell you it's really easy. You just say, Jesus, I believe in you. God, I, I'm giving my life to you. God, I'm making you Lord of my life. I believe that you are God and there's no one before you, no one after you. And then there's some next steps you need to take. We, we baptized a couple people today. That's your next step if, if that's where you're at. There's power and there's joy in knowing that you've been buried in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. And he's promised to fill you with his Holy Ghost and power. And now I want to tell you, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost and power, it's like rivers of living water flowing through you. Come on, somebody. Is anybody glad that you're satisfied in Jesus today? Come on, can we lift up our hands? If you want to come to this altar, I've... I urge you, come to this altar. We need some prayer warriors that fill this altar today. And we're just going to worship. Let's sing this song from the beginning. And let's rejoice in Jesus today.